Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email piercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, Metalheads, after going to a Rager, what's your ultimate go-to? Mine is totally pizza. So when Overload is playing or I'm promoting the Metal Forge Live showcases or the big goddamn metal show, I go to Pizza Donisi. Pizza Donisi is gourmet artisan pizza from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It features things like the pizza of the month, the sandwiches, and also vegetarian and vegan options, which is so totally fucking cool for all, all of it's It's awesome pizza. You definitely want to go. Hey, and also, from time to time, they do cannolis. Oh, so fucking good. You know what they said, man. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, just like that in Godfather. They're located right next to the Mag Bar at 1396 South 2nd Street. So either stop in or call in at 502-213-0488. They're open till midnight. The witching hour. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Hey, metalheads, you all hear me talk about Magbar all the time. It is the home to the Metal Forge Live showcases and is an integral stop in the ultimate underground metal tour schedule. They obviously feature live music, but the Magbar also has daily specials like Pint and Slice Night on Tuesdays with Pizza Donisi. But they also do Bring Your Own Vinyl on Thursdays with DJ Kent Jackson. And Finer Things Sundays. Located right next to Pizza Donisi at 1398 South 2nd Street. Open 3 p.m. to 4 a.m. seven days a week. Get your asses out to the Mag Bar. Rock out. For 45 years in keeping Louisville weird, Electric Ladyland has been there for all your eccentricities. While they do offer the best smoking supplies out on the market today, there's a whole lot more to check out. From ashtrays and blacklight posters, to records, incense and burners, and items to stock your metaphysical supply. They're open from 10 to 10, 7 days a week. Located at 2325 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky, and at electricladyland420.com. Roll out. 
going on metalheads thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the metal forge my name is mark jackson and i am your host holy shit this week's guest i am excited for is erica stoltz from the band sanhedrin and from you know brooklyn new york super fucking awesome band been out and this is their 10th anniversary year And we're going to be checking in with her in just a few minutes. But today we also have Mr. Jason Gardner from the Heavy Metal Wasteland and the Aohorn, the Mudhorn, and all of the other Flame Keeper awesomeness. Dude, what's going on? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a a few weeks or maybe a month. I don't even know it right now. It's been about a month since you've been on. Yeah. You've been, like, super fucking busy. Um, You know, uh, we're not going to get into the whole fucking, the whole spiel of the football talk, but you're a big football fan. You usually hibernate through the, through the winter months. I think you should start seasoning your, your shows. That would be, well, not like, I know it's peppered with a bunch of bullshit. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, uh, what, no, uh. Because you seem like you were really busy in the wintertime with being in the, the contractor business, and then uh, and then you've got uh, football on top of that. So yeah, yeah man, you're, you're like super busy this time of year. It's like fucking trying to fucking like get a fucking audience with the fucking satanic pope. I mean, football is like, I don't know, it's like something I really like because, you know, after, well, as of... Pretty much now, I would say it's um, you know, it's over with till like or August. August, yeah, because that's uh, when preseason like, starts. Really doesn't count, so it's pretty much like the first day after hey, Labor Day, hey. first Sunday after Labor Day. Yes, Sunday it does. Yeah. Preseason might not count, but the injuries do. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so. You know, uh, well, you know, I'm doing the same thing with hockey right now. I'm catching the, the the Kings, and their first half of the fucking season was great, and now they're fucking choking like a son of a bitch. And it's just like every time I turn around, it's like fucking lost by one, lost fucking shutout or some fucking shit. And, you know, I just fucking hate that. But, you know, we've had good teams in the past and, and shit like that, but hey... Can't win them all, I guess. Is that what it is? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm actually thinking about uh, asking Aaron if he wants to do a uh, Patreon-exclusive uh, year and season in review uh, talk about the whole season. Because, you know, his uh, his Dolphins made it to the postseason, but then they froze to death in the game and lost pretty bad. So, right. 
Uh, there's that. But, you all uh, should do that. At least, at least he made it because my team didn't. I don't Races think my team did anything. <laughs> yeah, my, my team uh, won two games, so I can't really talk. So right, we'll just talk about the we'll just talk about the season in general. Well, you know, I was really wanting to approach somebody about uh, having a, a a wrestling podcast on the uh, the Flamekeeper Network. Yeah. You know, just and I mean, I know there's a fuck ton of wrestling podcasts already with a bunch of wrestlers out there on them, so it's like really what what could you contribute kind of shit that places like what culture and shit couldn't already do or do really well, but you can always do something well with it. Yeah. You know, even if it's just like, hey, this this week in review or fucking bollocks of the week. It's an interesting time in wrestling right now with No McMahon charge. Dude, that is insane. Yeah, I, wild, that man. was something it, it, that was pointed it, it, out to me that um, that the Royal Rumble was the craziest thing ever because there was a there was not a McMahon, but a Blood McMahon in the company at the time, nor was the uh, the guy who ran the show from the truck, Kevin Dunn, for like the first time in like forty fucking years. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, it's interesting. And plus, going to Netflix next year, which will probably be like no commercials, and having to fill that in. Well, there will be commercials. There will have to be something. No, I read that there's going to be no commercials, but they're cut into two hours instead of three. Right. Right. Well, I mean, even with commercials today, it's still a two-hour and 15-minute show. Right. So that extra 15 minutes is whatever. But, I mean, it's still supposed to go live, which is totally cool. Which, I mean, they're already running live events anyway. And they're already running the fucking cameras. So, yeah, why not? You know? And with, I think with Triple H in charge of, of the show now, I think it's going to be vastly different than what anybody has seen, in, especially in the last decade. And the unfortunate thing is, is they're really going to have to, with everything that's happened, uh, with an article I just recently read, they're they're really going to have to treat him like Chris Benoit. With the allegations that have come out against him, the, the sheer like... What, Triple H? No, Vince. Oh, oh, okay. With Vince, uh, sorry, uh, with with the allegations that's come out against Vince, they're gonna have to treat him like Benoit, like only only reference him at the utmost minimalistic possibility that you can. I mean, that pretty much uh, excludes like pretty much like ninety percent of Stone Cold Steve Austin throwback uh, skits like that. You know. Well, you know, maybe they could show that. The reason why is because he was a fucking piece of shit boss character then. You know, so it really wasn't too far from the fucking truth. Huh? He was Mr. McMahon in those. Yes, Mr. McMahon. For sure. Jason, what do you got for the Wasteland this this week slash month? Well, man, I've got something that kind of made me chuckle um, a few weeks ago. Uh, So... I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, I am not a Sleep Token fan. I've heard one song, and I know it's not metal. It's uh, it's marketed as metal. And to be honest with you, in my opinion, I think it's an AI creation because everyone wears masks, and you can just put uh, you can just pipe the vocals out. You know, nobody has to know. 
anything about you if you're not really real per se. Yeah. That's just my opinion on what, what sleep token is. Uh, I think it was an AI prompt. Hey, how can we cash in on the popularity of Ghost? There you go. But um, so that's what I, I honestly think sleep token is an AI, a, la- a record label AI creation. I might be wrong. If I am, that's fine. But um, the thing I want to talk about is um, their tour that just went on sale a couple weeks ago. Uh, this the diehard Sleep Token fans actually got screwed out of getting tickets because AEG didn't send out pre-sale codes before general general audience sale. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of people are not going because the, the ticket the, the bots bought all the fucking tickets, out, including here, <laughs> including here in Asheville. It's all out. It's all out in like seven seconds, and it's a seventy about a seventy-five hundred seat arena. So. So yeah, I'm just like, dude, these these big content You know, like, here's the thing. With the, here's with the, the thing with that. Yeah. Okay. Here's where the conspiracy theory metalhead thing comes in with this. Okay. okay, so say Sleep Token is an AI created band. Yeah. I, I don't have proof. I just, I just No, hypothetically speaking. Theoretically speaking, whatever you want to say, uh, that Sleep Token is a a AI created band. It's not a real thing. And obviously, we've all heard the fucking James Hetfield singing fucking goofy fucking shit. So it can be done. Sure. You know. Okay, I get that. But <laughs> so we know. Well, okay. We don't know. It's assumed that the bots are controlled by the company, right? Yeah. To force sales. Yeah. And to force inflated sales. Exactly, yeah. So, in turn, they fucked themselves into, into inflated sale money. They got what they wanted. The bots got all the tickets. So now their fans have to pay the inflated rate or not go. So what the fuck? You know, it's like, and and anybody who's a diehard, like, I don't know, take a fucking Kiss fan. Mm -hmm. They're going to fucking pay $10,000 to see Kiss front row. There's people that do that shit. Just yeah. like fucking front row WrestleMania tickets I mean, are like twenty thousand dollars and some shit. People, some people ten thousand dollars is like a hundred bucks to us. You know? It's like when you have that much money, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't really matter. But yeah, I mean, like like I said though, because the reason the reason I find this humorous, I mean, I feel sorry for people who want to go see it, whatever the reason is. You know, that's fine. I go see shit that people are like probably shake their head at or scratch their head like really you pay money to see that. But um, oh, so I was at uh, I was at a birthday party um, at Chuck E. Cheese uh, for my uh, my cousin's daughter's uh, birthday party. Ugh. So my kids were there, and, and Chuck E. Uh, somebody asked me, somebody, somebody asked me, is like, are you from are you familiar with the band Sleep Token? Because I was wearing an Iron Maiden hat. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, how the fuck did you equate Iron Maiden to Sleep Token? I have no idea. But okay, let's 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 find out what the like the uninitiated. Um, you know, um, concert goer would think about sleep token. So I actually just had like a conversation with this girl, and I was like, "Hey, I was like, I was like, are you a sleep token fan?" She's like, "Well, no. My my sister tried to get tickets, and it sold out like it sold out like ten seconds." I was like, "It was actually seven seconds." But I was like, 
I was like, well, let me let me tell you my opinion on Sleep Token, why I'm not a fan. And I, I told her that I thought it was an AI creation, that they just hired musicians to play the stuff live. She right. looked at me like I had three heads. Like, that was the craziest fucking thing she ever heard. But I was like, no. I mean, seriously, I was like, look. I was like, they all wear robes. They all wear masks. It might not, it, it's not the same person. The stinger doesn't even have to sing. All you have to do is just make gestures. Because if the vocals are piped into the PA, how would you know? Yeah. If they're playing, if they're playing to this pre-recorded tracks. Exactly. I was, like, I was like, Ghost is like the biggest thing right now that everyone's trying to copy. I was like masks are in. Yeah. So why wouldn't why wouldn't a record company try to make another and it's, mask? And it's and it's the thing. And here's the thing: masks have been in since 1999 yeah. Yeah, with sure. Slipknot. Yeah. Yeah. Slipknot. Uh, but no. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Masks yeah. are in right now, and everybody wants to be ghost yeah. and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, like. I don't give a shit about the hype train of Ghost or anything. I mean, fuck it. People like what they like. I mean, if it sounds good, it's cool. I, I love their first album. Yeah, I, I mean, there's like certain, certain songs that I still like. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I like fucking Dance Macabre. <laughs> fucking... But who gives a fuck, you know? But like I said earlier, it's like, you know, I like a lot of different kinds of metal. You know, I like metalcore. I like fucking thrash, and and that's the whole thing. Is yeah, people don't get that now, which they should because it's the, the it's a generational thing. Is we see it being older, but the the kids today that are living through this fucking like crazy technology that's at at their youth, they don't know fuck all about a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know people who fucking don't fucking know how to use Google when they're 25. <laughs> right. They they ask they ask, hey, what about this? Fucking, I don't know. Google fucking shit, dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fucking. But I don't know. I mean, if it is, that's fucking. That's a huge blow to the fucking industry. And if it, but it's also the thing that I think unites us as independent musicians across the world. You know, because we can sit there and still have fucking awesome fucking um, community. Fuck yeah, yeah dude. It's, it's, it's a lot funner to be like in the struggle than just like on top. Because take a band, I mean, take a, just take an artist or a band that's like reached like the pinnacle. Like, just say because her name is mentioned everywhere every day, Taylor Swift. Like, I wouldn't want to be, no, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about the music. I think, I just wouldn't want to be that big because you have nowhere else to go. You're at the fucking top. The only place is, the only way back is down. Right. Like, there's no, there's no nothing looking forward to the, the next level. You know, I mean, just like, yeah. Just, it, well, the only thing that, that the only thing that you could look forward to is what it essentially is. Like, okay, what do you want to do next? And if you've got the social fucking uh, power to do it, then then you can. It's just, it's no different. I, I'm, the Rock is no different than Taylor Swift. Right. The Rock was doing the same shit ten fucking years ago. He was showing up fucking everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and if it was something that fucking, like the, the wrestling company that was involved with, he was The Rock. When it was something that they weren't involved with, he was Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And, 
you know, and yeah, and she's doing the same thing right now. And honestly, it's it's one of those deals where it's like, is it going to be fucking political office? I could see I mean, The Rock running for fucking president. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, it's just like, if you have nowhere else to go except for down, as if you want the journey to end. Well, no, you know, like, who, do, who doesn't? Because like me and you, me and you have a long way to go before we ever see the top of the mountain. So like everything we do. That's, is like, hang do. on, hang on. That's subjective, sir. Well. That's subjective. What, what mountain What mountain range are we talking about we, do we play in? We, we in the Smokies? We in the Rockies? I mean, the, no. I mean, like, the mountain range is subjective. It's metaphorical, sir. It's what is the top of, what is the peak of your mountain? Because some people um, it might be Carnegie Hall, dude. Yeah. For some people it might be Radio City Music Hall. For, for some people, it's the fucking the O2 in Birmingham. Right. Or fucking, dude, you know, I really wish, and, and, and this is where we'll put a pin in this for, for this philosophical discussion this week. Okay. Because we've been talking for a minute, and I love it, don't get me wrong, but I do want to go in depth more, more in depth with this on a long form. Uh, maybe... Maybe in a Patreon exclusive, maybe on a live. Live might be good for this. Because then we can field fucking questions as is. Uh, but of course, you know, that's when everything's back from hibernation and, and shit like that. But, I've done lost what I was saying. Of why the mountain range is metaphorical. Because, you know... It's whatever you want it to be, my friend. This is true. Like maybe you're just hiking to a waterfall. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Well, but all I'm saying is, like, some of the bands now, like, take Mastodon for an example, okay? Not counting festival appearances and some of that. Just their own tour. Like, I, they started out, like, playing, like, shitty clubs or record stores. And I can just, I can just call you, tell you this from what they did in Nashville. Because they've been coming here since the first album. Right. They started out playing Static Age, which is a record store with a music room in the back. Then they went up to Stella Blue, which is about a 200-seater, um, roughly. Then they moved to the Orange Peel, which is about a 1,000. Now they're playing Pacific Center, which they played twice in the past, on the same tour, twice on the same tour, right. uh, which is 7,000. It's a gradual climb, you know. Yeah. Um, and Nashville... And Nashville they probably they sold it out both times. The first one with Opeth, no. But the second one, probably so. For sure. And that's um, what it's yeah, about, it's, it's, a, it's a natural progression that I, I witnessed. I was, because I was there when they were coming from, from the beginning, since they've been coming here, you know? Um, yeah. Because I remember they used to play here with, like, High on Fire and stuff like that. And now all these, like, all these bands are just, like, in much bigger places now. And it's cool to watch. But, like, they still have a lot of, they still have a lot of career left. So they have a long way to go before they're getting up to headline their own stadium. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Like, what is after a stadium except for a fucking Russian airfield? You know, that's never gonna happen. Antarctica. (laughs) Antarctica happens, and then and then you Antarctica happens, and then you charge eight thousand dollars for a light truss seating. Okay. That's what happens. That's the end. That's the, that is the end. You get eight thousand dollars for a ticket. Okay. Well, you and seven friends. It's a thousand dollars a piece. 
and you get your own fucking cooler full of beer. Yes. Um, in, that's internight, by the way. <laughs> that's that's their brand of Budweiser, by the way. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to go ahead and listen to some Sanhedrin here. That one, that's exactly what it is. Uh, this is from the latest album. This is Cynthian Women. Yeah. You know, I never announce a song after coming back, but today I am going to because I love this song so fucking much. Uh, 
<laughs> is uh, Scythian women from Sanhedrin, awesome. which today Erica Stoltz is here in the Metal Forge. Erica, how are you? Hey, what's up, Metal Forge fans? How you doing out there? Yeah, see, I mean, it's it's awesome because. You know, I've watched you all online for the last few years, and it's like, man, I really wish they would come around more to, like, the Louisville area. I mean, yeah, you get to, like, I'm, like, two hours from everywhere, it seems like. Right. So a lot of bands go into that circle where Louisville doesn't really get hit a lot, but everywhere else around us does. So it's like a two-hour drive to see a lot of these cool bands. (laughs) I, yeah, I know. I was actually just saying to my band that I would like to go and play Louisville and St. Louis and a couple other places, a little more Southern Midwest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it it might be in the cooker. Hell yeah. So before we get into all of that jazz, and I know it kind of, uh, kind of threw it at you there all of a sudden right mm-hmm. off the off the front um tell everybody mm-hmm. out in metal forge land because most of the people that i know of they've uh they've been hitting me up telling me i need to have you all on for a while and it's just never been a thing it's like I, there's so many people that hit me up constantly because you know how the metal scene is it's it's all collective we're all doing the same stuff and we're all trying to promote shows and everything and sometimes it just you pick back up in six months and you're just like, holy shit, I'm sorry. I, I meant to meant yeah. to reply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tell totally. everybody out in Metal Forge Land about Sanhedrin. Well, hi, everybody out in Metal Forge Land. Sanhedrin started when a work colleague of mine, Nathan Honor, invited me to jam in, I don't know, it was like, Late 2014, early 2015. I can't, I, there was snow on the ground, I remember. And it was cold where we were playing. But I played with him and Jeremy because they had had a band before. And that ended up going really good. And so we were like, hey, man, we could start a band here. So that's what happened. And that was in, we were all living in Brooklyn, New York at that time. Nate and I grew up in Brooklyn. Jeremy is from the North Country of New York State, so basically like Canada. <laughs> Caveman, right? Uh, country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's like ten minutes from Canada oh, in wow. all directions. In, in all directions except south. So <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So. Back in 2014, I remember, you know, how I was doing my stuff in the in my personal like music scene. This whole big new wave of like traditional heavy metal really was kind of there, but it was still a little bit more underground than it is, you know, 10 years later. Because Definitely. you you had a little bit you had more bands that had just started up uh, or had just started doing live performances. And for example, they were just like a studio band for the long, for long times. And then they just, and then everybody started doing their things. So when, whenever you all started jamming, were you all already into some of these bands? Because you're kind of on the, what I would refer to as the forefront of the, of the new wave of traditional heavy metal scene. Um, when you say the forefront, do you mean like we were cut? We came. I think early you came on? in. I think you all did actually. 
to, compared okay. to now, compared to yeah. the all the bands that you we see out there now. About new wave of British heavy metal bands, like old bands, or some of the newer bands that are underground. Yeah, like some Did of the ones to yeah, like were you listening to bands like High Spirits and those bands that had been yeah. just started? I then? have learned a lot, <laughs> right? Recently, <laughs> since since starting yeah. the band yeah. in the la- oh god, yeah, totally. I mean, well, you know what I learned? I learned that um, you know you can't stop the kids that want to play music. Oh hell no! You know what I mean. And, and like, you shouldn't stop the kids that want to play music. <laughs> we'll say yeah, that too. Exactly. So uh, I learned that, you know, there's people as, you know, actually really varied age groups, right? Because right. like I'm 53, so <laughs> I'm like kind of on the old side, but. I love like uh, I love that you're doing a bong hit. By the way, that makes me feel like I should go pack my bong. But give me a second. I probably I probably got into all of these bands from Sanhedrin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was really big into Priest Dio. Iron Maiden, um, you know, like the classics and stuff. And I really don't think I was even going out to see music a lot at the time that we started the band because I work in uh, like live music production and so does Nate. So I was doing for a lot of years, like, you know, four nights a week of live music, sound mixing or, you know, stage managing or whatever my job was that particular night. But then on the off nights, like I had to have to say, it really did kind of kill my desire to go out and find shit. Well, I know exactly what you're saying there, because for me... I had a bunch of uh, quote normie friends in when uh-huh. in my early twenties, <laughs> and what I say my my normie my normie friends are the ones that don't play music, the mm. ones that wanted to always go out to the bar to to hang out and have fun and pay, possibly see uh, that new cover band in town type shit or yeah. go or go do yeah. the karaoke thing, and yeah. I played so much in my like early twenties and shit that like on my off nights of not playing, I didn't want to hang out with anybody because it was going to the bar. I associated with work, even though I I was just playing music, I was around Mm -hmm. it constantly. So yeah, I totally get what you mean there being, being running sound constantly. You need a break for sure. So All anyway, right. yeah, I got a real education in music through this band, I have to say. I think the first band that I really like learned about through this band was The Devil's Blood because everybody was like, "You sound like Farida's Lamucci." Uh, and I was like, "Who's that?" And you know, so then I found the music. Jeremy is really into them. And I unfortunately got into them after 
um, they disbanded. But... Right. And that's what I hate about music. About the scene today, there are so many fucking like one album and done or one EP and done bands. Yeah. And because yeah. they all move on to something that's probably better, don't get me wrong, but sure. a lot of times sure. it's in that reverse. So I totally yeah. get that. Um, yeah. So one thing I want to ask about too, because you mentioned before we started rolling, if I was friends with, you know, Adam and Stacy, and of course I am. Right. And um, so going back and listening, there's, with being a woman in a band these days, obviously things get said that are, you know, that are counterproductive to the, uh, to the scene and shit like that. How do yeah. you deal with stuff like that? Like quote, female fronted. I hate that term because it's like, yeah, it's a pigeonhole, I, but how do you deal with stuff like that in, in, in the, the scene? Female fronted thing has been, I think it kind of has been sort of relegated a little bit to like symphonic metal, kind of. Right. You know? Um, and also, like, my bandmates and I really initially were like, we don't want to be female fronted. Like, we want to be a threesome with three even presentations on stage. For sure. You know what I, I mean? That. Like, I definitely feel like, you know, by the nature of being the lead singer, you're often the focal point. Mm -hmm. But Jeremy is just as talented as a guitar player, and he really, like, takes such care in crafting his solos, and they're so well executed that like I mean it's kind of like a, a, and Nate's just a fucking snare murderer so mm -hmm. I feel like we, all three of us kind of bring equal amount to the live show definitely you know? so, so yeah so it doesn't go as quote noticed or anything like that uh, which is great I mean I'm not wood. I don't feel like it does you know, when we toured, even when we toured with Savage Master, you really kind of feel like most people who were there to see that tour were there to see, to be really well entertained. Yes, because you know I, I've been saying? to a, a few of their shows <laughs> over the years, and, and their entertainment yeah. is, I don't want to say it's second to none, but... In their field, it's second to none. It's because pretty high. It, the high. The bar is high. Yeah. You know? And so it was... Swords and masks and leather. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. But, you know, there would be... I mean, you could pigeonhole that as, like, you know, a female-fronted tour. And I don't think anybody said anything like right. that. Well, you know, and and I think you're right. There are so many powerful women vocalists in metal today that mm -hmm. I do think it. And and I'm not even talking about say bands like uh, you know uh, any any other bands like uh, 
you know, major label band type shit. I'm talking like mm-hmm. just on an independent level, like with with you all, with say Lady Beast, Solicitor, Savage Master, you know, just to name a few. And those are the most popular few, I would say. But um, you know, there. But even still, even with like uh, black metal bands like Ritual Moon, that is an all female band out of, uh, or they're like Black and Thrash, and it's like that's awesome shit to me. That yeah, it, where it, it seemed from? like for so know. long that. Yeah. There was never a place. And I'm glad that yeah. there's a place now. Yeah, and it's not as much of like an, a, a novelty. It's just, it is. Like, I can't tell you how long I've been waiting for it just to be the way it is. Yeah, for sure. And, you know well, what I mean? <laughs> I, had a, I had about a, a, a two-hour drive yesterday. Um, mm. And I listened to the last two albums of us of yours of Sanhedrin okay and I was just I'm and it's something that like you know when it goes through the playlist that's one thing but listening to albums like full on straight front to back it definitely has a quality and I want to talk about that for a moment with you as well and I know I'm kind of subject jumping Uh, it's kind of how the show is uh, That's totally cool. So, let's go with the you know the latest uh, release you know which was Lights okay. On from twenty twenty two. Lights On, yeah, Lights and, On, and I totally dig it. I love the love the artwork. Obviously, uh, it's got the probably what I would say turn of the century animation to it, like uh, from Earth to the Moon style, like silent film oh interesting Interesting. Uh, real like a kind of almost like 18th century print in books yeah well that's exactly where we were going we uh yeah we were like hey man uh yeah that's exactly you got it man you got it i went and saw this uh exhibit at the Guggenheim. It was actually the first time in my life that I had been to the Guggenheim and I grew up in New York City, right? So right. that's how like New York I am. But I I went there a few years ago with my friend and we saw the Rosa Rosicrucian art exhibit, right? And the Rosicrucians were these people in like England and France in the late eighteen hundreds, mid eighteen hundreds. And they were really into, like, new ideas and new presentations of, like, Christianity and femininity. And they went to some pretty weird places with it. And that um, that was also somewhat what I was thinking about. Or I didn't draw it. Let me just first say that because I draw, like, a five-year-old. The guy, Same. Jack Welsh, <laughs> drew it. The guy from Seventh Bell. Uh, well, what's was, so interesting about it to me is just like uh-huh. the the dichotomy of you know uh, lights on, meaning it's a cur- the curtain being pulled back and the fire being set, and yeah. it almost resembles block printing. Yeah. We wanted it to look a little woodcutty. Yeah, and I yeah. that it 
I'm not yeah, going to lie. So, and, I would and say that I would style, buy that. <laughs> he's done all three of our our um, record covers, and his style is a little bit that way. He mainly works, I believe, in pen and ink, and he, uh, yeah, he does have... Um, it is that 18th century look. But yeah, like even on funeral so, for the world, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, where it has like the 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 world and the hourglass and the wings, like uh-huh. uh, like an eighteen hundreds tombstone would have, yeah, or a seven seventeen hundreds. Yeah, exactly. And that was the first time we worked with him, and he, I guess. It's always awesome to me to see what what visual artists do with music, you know? Like, right now, we're working on a new record, and I can't wait to see what the guy that's... He's, we got a painter. Okay. Friend of ours this time. But, you know, to see what this guy's going to come up with. Um, but... Can you, can you spoil the name of the artist? What's that? Can you spoil the name of the artist? Has he done other artwork for people? You know, I... <laughs> I don't want to do that because I want to be surprised. Because <laughs> I will probably... Well, has he done other stuff? I don't know. No, I shouldn't say. Well, you because, know. Uh, yeah, then everybody will be hitting him up too, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly don't know. But I will say this. He is... The preeminent satanic Belgian painter. So if anybody is like follows, yeah. If you're on the if you're on the know, <laughs> you probably know. I would say that yeah. If you know if you know about satanic painting in Belgium, you know who's painting our record. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally rad as shit though. So. Mm. So you all are actually playing Blades of Steel this year. Exactly. <laughs> At the end of August. Yeah. At the end of August. That is when I'm, we're super psyched. We haven't played Wisconsin yet. I have a real love for Wisconsin. I was in a band for a long time with a really awesome Wisconsinite. And I just think Wisconsin's cool, so I haven't been there in a long time. Right. And especially Madison, so I'm psyched. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when uh, we actually played number two. Nice! Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my uh, God. And, uh, Wait, let me see that lineup. Can I just uh, see the lineup? It was Attacker, uh, The Accused, uh, yeah. Metal Asylum with James Rivera, Leeway, Hellfire, Screamer, The Crosses, Vanek, Bray Road, De- Death Wish, Eric Cobra, Overload, Ratbat Spider, and Damn Your Eyes. Nice. And that was at Club Garibaldi in Milwaukee. And yeah, Very that was cool. that was fun. We uh that's an eight hour drive for us. Mm. And we went up for that and well I know it's 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 longer for you all, of course. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I think you'll have a good time. There, Randy always brings in awesome bands up there. Yeah, so that's also shit, yeah, really, I feel really excited about that one. So your uh, so your twenty twenty four, as you said yeah. earlier, you're going to be playing uh, Blades of Steel four. You're going to be doing, you're writing a new album. 
what what are tour plans? What are well, what we are actually plans? have a new album written? Oh, and we're actually going to be recording said album next month. Awesome. So we are like in the in the works uh, for album number four. Definitely. And uh, we don't know when we're going to put it out because we want to make sure that, you know, um, we get some good tour opportunities around when that happens. So we're just kind of talking to people right now and and figuring out what um, logistically can be done for a 2024 release versus another thing another point in time right you know like if it's 2025 or not or it's a uh, i don't think it's gonna be that long to be honest with you i think it's just probably what month oh okay well and i'm sure and i'm sure the label has a lot to do with that as well because they have a release schedule that they want to keep uh that's one of the things that and so and i'm sure that's always in the in the back of the mind or do you all just deliver and they do it well no once we submit it we have it's it's in the it's in the can like i think there is a point at which you can delay but i believe that within a couple of months you probably cannot because of all the press that happens in advance of so you really have to make that decision early on or else you're kind of screwing them over you know for sure so so with that you know with having all this advanced press that goes on and I've kind of noticed a trend in in metal these days with the way that um, the way metal is given to our fans. And oh. <laughs> well, for example, with like almost the almost the deletion of having albums put in stores, everything goes to like an online retailer now, obviously. But most of the time, it's always set up for pre-sale. So versus, you know, versus that uh, huge country megastar or pop megastar printing millions of copies of something and, you know, and actually having it in a storefront. What do you feel about like the going out day of? I know that I have not seen a lot of lights on copies in record stores. (laughs) When I've gone around looking, right, I know that we have done a little bit of our own sort of selling a certain amount of copies to distributors and people that own stores okay. here and there for the like time on the independent side. Can. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think that's where it really, honestly, I think that's where the future of the music industry lies right you're going to be handling more independent with with like more because almost there's almost no chance i don't think there's 
Are there any chain record stores anymore, like a Sam Goody or an FYE? No. I used to go to Tower Records and find like the coolest. Yeah, but that's not shit. a chain. That's that's like three that was like three or four locations in like California. No, there was one in there was one in New York. Oh, was there? Uh, yeah, but but I mean, was, it's not I like they was, had them in like Phoenix and Dallas, and you know, it's not like they had them yeah, everywhere. They didn't have them everywhere. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Sam Goody. I don't know. I mean, I think all the model has shifted because of streaming, right? Right, and Walmart. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, because Walmart. Walmart buys exclusive albums to to sell these days, like uh, that country and pop megastar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's your exclusive Walmart variant <laughs> that you can only get it well, there. It's very, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, so does fucking. Um, How do you feel about the variant game in in uh, independent metal these days? What do you mean variants? As, like as variant as vinyl variant? colors. Like you've got like five hundred black vinyl. A hundred red, a hundred blue. I don't know. I I don't know if it's really that. Um, that big of a deal to me personally, right? (laughs) Because I'm sure you're. I'm the way. I'm the person who says, as long as I have a copy of it, I'm cool. I would love to have a physical copy, but if I have to have a digital make of my own, okay. But. Uh, yeah, but there's people out there that take it crazy serious. Like, they will get every variant color. I do not have the kind of disposable income to do things like that. Same. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Same. No, 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 no. That's not me. Can't do that. You know, uh, I wish... Rather buy I would... a new guitar or something else. Speaking of... Speaking of guitars here and and such, uh, I'm a bass player as well. Uh, I've got some of the uh, the two that I that were the primary, uh, the number one and number two for years. Uh, what is uh, your go to rig? What is your my go to rig right now? It's recently changed. I use a you mean like the whole rig, top to bottom? Yeah, what you got? Can I usually that? don't get into gear talk on the show, but you know, you're a bass player. I'm because you're a bass yeah, player that yeah, played no, circles love, around me on your album. But gear. well, on the album, we used my SVT and an 810. So I own this old SVT like prototype head. I think it's like 1969 or something. Wow. And yeah, it's fucking gnarly. It's just a beast. It is the roundest sound if you want it to be, right? So I have that through an old 810, like an 810 from probably the 80s. It okay. only has one input jack on it. Mm-hmm. So, and I used that for the first five, seven years of Sanhedrin, right? And then I think we did one tour with it in the U.S. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then we did a tour in, in uh, um, 
Because I've had it since my old band in the 90s. Like, I've had this shit for a long time. And I love it, and I will always keep it and get it, um, you know, maintained. For sure. And tubed when necessary and all of that. But we went and played in Germany with this band Stallion, and they had they were on like this whole other modern gear trip. One of the guys was a programmer for Kemper, and they had Kemper modelers. And the bass player had a Mark Bass eight hundred Class D eight hundred watt head with a um, Alpha Omega pedal by Dark Glass, right? Which is that, yeah, which is that distortion that just is really, you can really kind of like tailor it in a lot of ways. It's just many more filters than just like a rat pedal. Right. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So, uh, so after I used that, I was like, fuck this. I'm getting one of those. For sure. So now I use, uh, 800, uh, Mark bass, little Mark, and a uh, a dark glass pedal through my eight ten. I kind of want to get a dark. They make a head now, and I kind of want to get their head. Right. Maybe you could maybe you could uh, do sponsorship. <laughs> maybe you know I tried. You know what I have to do to get sponsorship, Mark. I have to make a public social media page that's like solely geared towards my playing. Right. And I probably should do that. I think you You should because I, I, you know, like listening back and like really dissecting um, Lights On and um, the previous, I was just like, you're, yeah, you're fucking on fire as a bass player and i think that like seriously like i think with everything it just where you were talking about on stage you all have your own aspects and it bleeds through on the records as well and that's really what i enjoy is hearing it just like um the name of the song escapes me for the life of me. And I apologize for that, but there, but you do this vocal line and then you just do this, this bass slide down on. Oh, it's, uh, mm, the getaway. Yes. And it's just like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, gosh, and it's so fucking good. And like, uh, (laughs) but still like, yeah, like the playing is, I think everything it's that triangle of everything that just can that comes together. And I, yeah, I think that makes it so that to really like put that female fronted sort of filter on us is kind of hard. Yeah, it's not. You yeah, know, you can't because, do that because we're all so mm, yeah, so much a part of it. But um, thank you for for saying that. Yeah. Who got you into wanting to play music? You know, I would have to say that, like, I was very lucky to have a babysitter when I was probably, like, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, because, like, after that, I don't think I had babysitters anymore. But my babysitter 
was into the New York Dolls. She was like magenta in Rocky Horror. She was just cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so she turned me on to a lot of cool stuff. Hell yeah. And I feel like that was kind of a very, at a very young age, that was sort of like, oh my God, this stuff makes me feel good. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It may, uh, for me, it was the thing of, it's like, it, it's what felt normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it really, it, yeah, definitely. So is bass your first instrument? Um, nah. piano was the first instrument, but really voice because I was like a studied voice. Or, uh, I studied voice for ooh, probably 10 years when okay. I was a kid. And I went to a high school that was a performance high school. It was like the fame school in New York called the Guardia okay. High School. Yeah. And so I did a lot of singing. Okay. I didn't pick up bass until I was probably 20. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask next is what, what inspired you to, to pick up a bass? I started like... It was weird because I was playing, I, I had a relationship to music, but I was singing like classical and stuff, right? And then finally, when I went to California, I started singing rock and roll. But as a front person, I was kind of like, I had no game. I didn't know what to do. So I was sort of like, maybe I should get an instrument and have that to do or <laughs> between singing so i don't know what would have happened if i had just stayed with being a front person i think it would probably be a lot of fun honestly but uh i really enjoy bass because i it's a way to write first of all you know so having the articulate you know being articulate in a language that other musicians can understand because it's hard i've noticed for guitar players some guitar players to sort of listen to a vocal line and then come up with a guitar part true uh and i would yeah. say it's equally as it's equally on the other side with guitar players and drummers because one tends to mimic the other when they write together so, like, you would have a guitar play, a lot of guitar players that I know when they write to just a drummer, they write a more syncopated style, like a more yeah. counted guitar part. It's more yeah. syncopated to with a drum beat or vice versa. You have that guitar player that does the thing, and then the drummer's trying to hit every note, too. Yeah. That's no good. No. That's too much information. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so who who would be uh, who would be in your top five bass players then? If you were to pick oh a couple, if, if you were to pick a five, who would they be? Well, I think I met one of them, which was so exciting. So Dirk Schlechter, for, I think I'm butchering his last name, but from Ross the Boss Band. Right. From a band in Germany called Gamma Ray. He's one of 
my top five. Nice. He did the Joey DeMeo role in the Rostovoss whatever. Oh, band. okay. You know? Am I saying that right? Was Joey DeMeo the bass player of of Manowar? I think so. Let's I think so. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, here in you know here in Kentucky, we actually have a Manowar Boulevard. No shit. Yeah, it's in Lexington. Damn. <laughs> and it's not for the band, I don't think. I think it's for uh, the racehorse. Okay, it's for like okay. It's right. for the racehorse. <laughs> well, <laughs> I still want to. I, I I still want to steal the sign though. Just to just to have it. Like I. I loved the Ross the Boss Band interpretation of all the Man of War songs because yeah, Joey DeMeo. I have been familiar with Man of War since I got into metal, right? Because I'm from New York, right? And I'm from the '80s, and so is Man of War. And I actually saw them at their peak, but right after they kicked Ross out. Mm. And I didn't know anything about them because I was there to see Motorhead, but Motorhead opened for them. And I loved Motorhead, and I could not fathom what was going on with Manowar because they came out all oiled up. And <laughs> That's like, so like it's just so hard. So. I, that's such a weird combination when you when yeah. you think about that coming out like all oiled up and like, <laughs> and then you've got like Motorhead coming on after that, which is mostly. Well, let me tell you, for me, it definitely was not like a great pairing in terms of like, you know, like wine and cheese or whatever no, right like, oh, you know <laughs> but but it was a classic era of theirs right. and they um yeah they were yeah they didn't wear pants and <laughs> when we toured with Ross, <laughs> Uh, oh my and, gosh um, and, and Ross the Boss Band in May <laughs> that made a point of saying you know when I was in Manor I always wore pants thank you very much right. and I was like thank you because <laughs> you know that was hard it was hard I'm sorry guys but hell yeah but I do really love um, Dirk Schlechter's bass playing and then you know I had the opportunity to work with Jack Bruce several times okay. I actually got to do a sound for uh, Bruce West Lang once wow which was like this fucking bizarre you know like bizarre reunion I worked at a blues club in Times Square that had a lot of those old timers play, you know, so at any rate, so Jack Bruce um, definitely definitely um, I mean, Getty Lee 
Dig, yeah. Uh, and, oh, God, you put me on the spot. I have to think of bass players <laughs> now. Oh, I know who I love. Dennis Dunaway. I love him, actually. I kind of, like, super love him. And I got to meet him, too. Awesome. Because I sound for Bouchard Dunaway Smith. So it was John. But no, it was Albert Bouchard. And, no, it was John Bouchard. Sorry. John Bouchard, uh, Dennis Dunaway, and Neil Smith doing Alice Cooper and... Blue Oyster Cold songs. Now that was fucking cool. <laughs> I was like, oh man. But yeah, Dennis Dunaway and then Cliff Burton. Yeah. Okay. For number five. Hell yeah. And, you know, actually thinking about some of those, I can actually see that. Uh, the Getty, I can see. The the Dennis Dunaway, I can actually see in your, in your style. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because, you yeah. know, I was just dissecting everything and it's just so great and pff, yes i mean i'm looking forward to number I four to, yeah like I hardcore <laughs> uh so yeah uh we've actually went rambled quite uh quite greatly for for this episode Excellent. which i absolutely love because hey Excellent. we don't get good well, episodes like this and Episodes like this, so I glad. tend to when they're in studio here, they they tend to go a lot longer. But uh, this has actually been really cool. How long have we been talking? Uh, about forty five or so minutes. Oh, that's it. But it's so nice to meet you, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you know? yeah, because we've actually had this I mean, awesome. Do you have any more questions that you want to ask? Wait, so... I was going to ask you a couple of the derailed questions before we, before yeah. we go. Oh yeah, all right, maybe yeah, shoot. Yeah, shoot. so let's go ahead and get into these. Uh, the, uh, obviously, this is what uh, just a universal life thing here. Um, okay. What is your most favorite decorative piece of artwork that you own? Right now, I would have to say that it's this, and it's very easy for me to show you that my friends got me this for Christmas a few years ago, and I just think it's so... Hell yeah. The the burning church? Yeah, but just the way it's burning and the type of church it is and I don't know. I just think it's funny. So I like that. I like that. That's awesome. I I was (laughs) (laughs) What are the biggest things in life that you've learned so far? Oh, the biggest things in life. Well, I have to say I'm still learning. Well yeah. I I think one of the biggest things I've learned is that I'm still learning. And I probably will until I die. You Absolutely. Know? And that it, once I think I know everything, I should take a pause and just try to zoom out a little bit and see what other people's opinions might look like. You know what I mean? Shit, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, and it's almost as just like uh, when you've got to take a break, for example. You know, everybody talks about, like, that social media break and online stuff. you gotta mm-hmm. you got to do that. You've got to take that step back from everything and readjust. 
Totally. Yeah. Uh, So, one more question, but before we go there, always, links are listed below, so please give a like, a share, and a follow. Go see them on tour. Go support them in any way you can. Sanhedrin, Erica, do you have any shout-outs you want to give to anybody today? Well, I want to shout-out to Nathan and Jeremy, because they rule, and then... um, What's up, Stacy and Adam? Because they live in your great state. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so awesome. Again, thank you for coming on the Metal Forge this week. And um, the last question of the day is what is invisible? What thing, what's invisible out there that you wish people could see? That one's pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, 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 people that don't see me don't see me cocking my head like a little dog going. Mm. <laughs> uh, let me think about that one for a second. So, what's invisible that I wish people would see? Ooh, I think I know. Quantum attachment. Wow, I don't quantum attachment. Yeah, like define. I'm not familiar. Well, with what like quantum- the fact that you know, if we were ever together and breathe the same air, we're always gonna we're always connected. That you know, my blood is always oh that kind of thing okay so like touching the same air touching like the desk and yeah the contact yeah yeah, but then knowing that you know the the dna my dna molecules touched yours and therefore is somehow we're all attached that's wild that's awesome though i mean I guarantee, I guarantee, though, there would be some crazy fucking person out there who's like, fuck that, so-and-so oh, sat there. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, of course, of course. I mean, but, you know. And then think I about mean, all whatever, the people. Whatever it is, the I guess really just to see how we're all interconnected. Right. And so all of this division and, like, you know, I'm over here, you're over there kind of thing the end of the day you know we're just little ants on this planet try to get along and you know definitely i totally yeah that's awesome fuck yeah erica thank you so fucking much for this this has been awesome keep up You're the fucking so awesome work i am glad we've got to do this and obviously we're gonna have to do this four. again yeah we're yeah. gonna well, let's do it again when the record four is coming out. Okay? Shit, yeah. On our way All out right. today, what do you want to play? You know, I think that it might be cool to listen to The Poisoner. Ooh. All right. So here it is. That might be a cool one. Yeah. Moody. Moody, but then it gets really heavy. So you guys will take it. I yeah. dig it. Here <laughs> is the poisoner. Yeah. Dude, that was awesome.
Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine. A treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.com. BigCartel.com What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, 
you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code MetalForge10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana is the premier 12,500 square foot music superstore that has served both Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky metro area for over four decades. Originally founded by Marvin and Beverly Maxwell in the 70s, this gym remains a Maxwell family-owned business. Mark Maxwell, along with his business partner, Whitney McNichol, continued the reputation as being the national resource for all things music. In 2022, the iconic Guitar Emporium of Louisville relocated to Maxwell's Music, creating the largest independently owned showroom in the region. The retail offerings at Maxwell's Music includes a huge selection of guitars, basses, amplifiers, effects pedals, modeling amps, keyboards, drums, banjos, mandolins, ukuleles, sound systems, stage lighting equipment, and accessories. The music education program at Maxwell's is second to none. From private instrument and voice lessons to DJ, EDM, recording, songwriting, and music theory, to rock school, weekend warriors, and Maxwell's Music Lab, there is something for every age and every ability level. Down in repair land, guitar and instrument repairs and refurbishment are taken care of by the Maxwell's team of expert guitar technicians and luthiers. They also do appraisals of instruments as well. Maxwell's offers installations for professional audio, visual, and lighting systems for schools, churches, clubs, VFWs, funeral homes, sports fields, and so much more. There's also rentable space at Maxwell's, from the music practice and rehearsal rooms for the individuals and bands, all the way to a meeting space and concert venue that seats up to 120. That also includes a professional audio, visual, and lighting system and a sound booth. Maxwell's has it all. All this plus original functioning 1947 recording booth to make your own record. Go to the Guitar Hero Throne, to the very own Elvis statue, and don't forget the Harmony Green Pocket Park. There's a reason 
Now, Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana has been recognized by the National Association of Music Merchants as a number one award-winning best store design, as well as top 100 music store year after year. You gotta see it to believe it. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Indiana. 